This is The Business Machine. We talk with small business owners and entrepreneurs to get their advice on how they run their machines. These inspirational leaders share with us some of the tools they use to run their machines and talk about some of the mistakes they made along the way and what they learned. As business owners, we're all trying to fuel our machines, create a great team and put tools in place so that eventually our machines will run themselves. So get ready. Up next, the business machine is firing up. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another exciting episode of The Business Machine. I'm your host, Brian Town, CEO and owner of Michigan Creative, and also your wonderful host here on The Business Machine. We're excited, as usual, to have our next guest. And our next guest is Brittany Bullen. And Brittany Bullen is, among other things, she is the author of the book, Personality Marketing, and join your industry's A-list by embracing your inner nerd and the upcoming book, The Crisis of Ordinary, What to Do If You Secretly Wish for More Than What You Got. Brittany has a passion for helping people remember how to dream big and then giving them the strategic marketing steps to turn those big dreams into realities. Mother of four, and we might hear one or two uh, there earlier, and we heard one before we started recording, and self-professed musical theater and personal development nerd. She spends her days mashing her clients in her potatoes until they're magically delicious. Brittany, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm great. So what is going on? So one of the things that we talked about a little bit was your book, but also you have a website called nerdygirl.co. And so what I want to find out is, and I love that title and it's great because we're all a bunch of nerds in marketing and video and we like to nerd out about cool marketing things. And so we have a great conversation, but somebody stops you in line at the coffee shop and you're talking politely to them and they say, Hey, what do you do anyway? And what do you tell them? Oh, wow. (laughs) Right. that is the excellent question. And, and it's like, as a marketer, you're supposed to have oh, yeah. the world's best answer to it. And yep. sometimes I feel like I have the world's worst answer to it. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I think the short answer is I help pig, uh, not, I don't help pigs. I help okay. people figure that, out that's what prob- it is they really want. And then I help them make a plan that's actually going to work so they can actually get it. So what is it? You know, we hear a lot about this plan and this thing and creative people. And, and so I think there's really two sides. You got creative and business owners like you and I. And then you got other people mm-hmm. who, who are creative but have never done a business before. So it's a little bit, it's like, how, how am I going to turn this into a business? And are you typically working with people that maybe are already working or looking to do something new? And how do you, what is the first thing that you would suggest that somebody, you know, because when I started my company, I used to tell people, I'll oh, just quit your job and start. And that's stupid, stupid advice. Because <laughs> I now that I look back, I'm like, oh my gosh, that was terrible. Because that's what I did, and it took a while to get where we are today. But what is that first step? Then somebody says, hey, you know what? I want to do this, and I'm thinking about doing. What do you think? And and what do you tell them to do first? Well, I mean, I think the first step, and it's so interesting because it it changes. You know, as you get more mature in what you're doing, your the questions you ask change. Yeah. And now as I've coached so many entrepreneurs, what I've learned is that the question they're asking at the beginning is usually a tactical question when really they should be, um, they should be answering a strategic question Hmm. because if people come to you and say, what do I do? And they don't even really know what they want to do. Then any tactical advice you give them is going to be totally wasted because that's really the first question anybody needs to answer as an entrepreneur is like, do you really want to do this? And I'm sure you know from your experience that if it, if you're not really invested emotionally in what you're doing, then entrepreneurship is hard enough as it is. 
you're just going to burn out and you're going to quit. And it doesn't matter if your tactics and if you're, you know, if, if everything that you're doing is by the book, perfect. Sure. If you actually aren't building the business you want to build, you're going to burn out and it's not going to work out. So that's, that's really the first question I ask everybody is like, what do you really want to do? What, what would you do if you could do anything? Because that's a great thing about entrepreneurship is you actually can pretty much architect your life to whatever, you know, to be whatever you want it to be. And a lot of people don't realize that that's even an option. So rather than giving them a concrete plan, what, what is a strategic answer? What is a strategic step that they could take? And, and, you know, I was talking to some students at Michigan State University and I had to kind of stop my my conversation because I kept saying over and over again, you guys, this is hard. <laughs> like I kept giving them all the <laughs> bad things about it. Like, uh and I said, no, I'm really. like, hey, like, it sucks. Are you yeah. sure you want to do it? <laughs> yeah. I was like, God, I see people mowing lawns and I'm like, I could just, I'd be a great lawnmower. That's all I want to do. And <laughs> that would be so nice. <laughs> so, now I've got 12 people counting on me. This is awful. And yeah, I get out of that and I say, look, but you know, I, I, I tell them, look, it can be done. And you know, I kind of go back and forth between, you know, do I want to make, could I go back in time and make, not make some of the mistakes that we did or do I not want to? Cause I don't know if we'd be here. So what is a strategic step? What is a good way to vet that idea to really get somebody to think, okay, one, do we need to think, can this make money? Will somebody buy this service or product? Two, will I enjoy it? It's that whole e-myth of the person that bakes the pies. She's a really good pie baker and, and she loves baking pies, but then when she opens up a business, she hates baking pies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, there are a lot of that? reasons. But I think that you hit the nail on the head. I think that's really the first strategic question that everybody needs to to answer for themselves. And I think it's it's two pronged, right? It's like you have to first figure out what do I want, and then you have to figure out what is wanted in this market. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. how do I kind of fuse what I want with what other people actually want. And that's that the second side of the question is something that people don't ask enough. Right. Like they think they know the answer to that question, but the piece where almost every entrepreneur kind of sinks themselves with their new beautiful idea is they don't do enough validation. They don't do enough market <laughs> research. They don't do enough actual talking to prospective customers. And because they are trying to get it right before they even launch it, they never actually do the ultimate test, which is asking Launching for money, right. <laughs> you know, like asking you <laughs> yeah. actually vote with their credit cards. Like, is this yeah. something that you actually pay money for? Because they think that there's some, like, I, I think there is something, and you might not have noticed this as much in, in your market, but I can tell you certainly in mine, there's a lot of uh, perfectionism and a lot of people feeling like that they're so afraid they're going to do it wrong that they don't end up doing much of anything. <laughs> oh gosh. If we were afraid of that, we wouldn't be anywhere. It's yes, a, yes. I mean, yeah. you got to get in that mindset of like done is better than perfect. Sure. Just like put something out there so you can know. And that's why I love paid advertising so much. And I sure. talk a lot about um, pay-per-click ads because it's so fantastic that so quickly you can test your ideas yeah. and you can make offers and see if people say yes. And, and, and then if they don't, you have data that you can analyze about, you know, why isn't this working? And what if we tried this? And otherwise you're just, you know, building, trying to build an organic audience for like years only to find out that they don't actually want anything from you. So <laughs> I love your idea, but I'm not going to pay for it. Yeah, it's very nice, but I'm going to spend my money over here. Yeah, I love yeah. talking to students too because typically when they come up with a new product or a new idea, they're I'm like, well, who who can use this? They're like, well, everybody. And then I'm mm-hmm. like, well, how are you going to make money? We're like, well, if only 5% of everyone in the world buys it, we're going to be millionaires. I'm like, yeah, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> <laughs> so let's back up it a little bit. It won't be for that 
simple. <laughs> yeah, that'd be, that'd be great. So let's go back to you, Brittany, and tell me why you started and why why you are where you are today and why did you feel that this was, strategically, uh, what somebody should purchase? Um, well, so the interesting thing is we're still testing. I mean, we've, we've done really well. We've sold, you know, I, my big kind of breakout success was um, my course called Captivate on Camera. And that's, um, there's a lot of uh, similarities between what happens in that course and what happens in my book, Personality Marketing. Um, it's basically teaching people how to use video to get clients, get customers online. Mm. And it's something that people really wanted to know about, but I, I didn't set out to teach people that. I actually, when my company started, we were actually not nerdygirl.co, we were nerdy girl writers. And the original vision was I, I was at home with my kids and I was kind of, I started a blog and um, was doing some freelance writing for hire until I realized like two seconds later that I didn't actually want to do that. Um, but I knew a lot of women who are kind of my peers, you know, young kids at home looking for some extra income. And I thought, wouldn't this be cool if I could, you know, contract this out to these other ladies and even make it like a little business opportunity where we could provide the branding, we could provide the talent and they could go out and get their own clients and, um, kind of build a little services business from home. And, uh, that was how I learned how to advertise. We did a lot of recruiting, um, on like every social network you could imagine, uh, with paid ads and they went, they did really well. Um, and I was getting, you know, I was bringing clients in and we brought in, you know, 100, 200 people to build this up. And then I kind of looked around and realized that I was still the only one bringing in clients. We had a lot of people who wanted to do the work, but we didn't have anybody who wanted to sell to companies. Right. And that was kind of one of one of my many exciting rock bottom adventures as an entrepreneur. Um, and I was like, well, crap, what am I going to do? I've got all these people who are looking for who want the work and they'll do it, but we don't have enough clients. And so, and I was home with my three boys now I have four and I was like, I can't network anymore. I don't have any more hours in the day where I have childcare. And so I just started making videos and started getting clients with video and it worked getting clients. But what we were getting more of is people saying, how are you doing this? I want to learn how to do it. Oh, I see. So it was very much like a find a need and fill it sort of deal. Um, but now it's kind of interesting because we've been going through this evolution as a brand where now I have this highly engaged market um, of solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, a lot of them similar to me and, you know, mom's home with kids and they are in a variety of industries. Some are e-commerce, some realtors, some network marketers and trying to figure out how to make a go of it online. And what I've learned in teaching people um, via the courses and coaching that, I, that I've been doing is that there's a significant difference between the people who just take your advice, they take the plan, they take the system and framework, they go apply it, they get great results. But the majority of people either don't apply it at all or they kind of halfway apply it or they do it but they can't close on the phone or they do it but then they flake out or there's like all this stuff beneath the surface and that's kind of what this next book, The Crisis of the Ordinary is coming from, is figuring out why people don't just do what they know how to do and what is it that needs to happen in order for them to get the success that they want on on a on a deeper level? Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it totally does. And you know, I think it's that old thing is you you know you're gonna get you know when we talk about joining an, another organization or you know we we're part of a several around here and, and chambers and things like that is you know it's great if you can join them, but then if you don't do anything with them or on behalf, you're not gonna get anything from it. And so mm -hmm. it's a matter of putting that in place. So that makes a lot of sense. Did you find and are you still finding in, in the model that is today, you know, you talk about a lot about showing who you are and your personality and, 
and ha- helping entrepreneurs and people do the same thing. Is there been, has there, or maybe it never shifted, um, has there been a shift in what gets people to buy? Do they want to see who they're buying from, from and personality marketing? Is that something that's, I don't know, I hate to say this, but hot right now. Is that what's working? <laughs> well, yes, absolutely. I think even, even more so than when the book came out is it's become more and more important. I think consumers are, are making buying decisions a lot differently these days than they were before. I think, um, in the, I want to say early days of online marketing, but I mean, it's all, it's all somewhat recent, right? But even like two or three years ago, it was all very, and I don't know if you noticed this, but it was very funnily. It was very buy now and the countdown timer and these launches and everything was very elaborate and automated. And now I think what some of the bigger players in online marketing are starting to implement and notice and get a better ROI from is things are that are a bit more genuine, a bit more authentic, a bit more approachable um, that follow the same kind of sales principles, but they're a lot more transparent. They're a lot more, you know, simple, which I think is really cool. Um, and it's something that I wish I could do like a, like a new edition of this book because there's so much even now that has changed. Like even for example, um, I have some kind of script templates in the book and now, and I do think the same structure still applies. It's kind of like the same structure to creating great ad copy. It's kind of problem solution, call to action. You know what I mean? It's pretty simple, but now I'm doing a lot less scripted stuff. I actually, just before we got on here, I just filmed uh, a sales video with no script and even no outline because I think people want to hear from real human beings. They want to hear from people who they can trust and trust is very difficult to establish when you're trying to follow a formula. Yeah. And I, I, it's interesting what you're saying about video too, is cause we, you know, we have a professional video department here that has three or four young women that, that run it and we do, you know, high end video brand anthems. And, and I still think there's a place for that, but we try to always get our clients to say, all right, how can we help you do your own internal stuff? And it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be Scorsese. That's what we always joke with them is. Oh, heavens no. Yeah. yeah I mean, like even get, get your phone. Kind of prefer, yeah. yeah. Just like phone videos. It doesn't have to be super fancy. And I'm like, if you can get your CEO or somebody, your VP to, to do some short little video blogs or vlogs or whatever you want to call them. And that kind of mm. organic stuff is really cool because we don't think we, you know, in some of these bigger organizations, we don't get the opportunity we don't think we do to see who's in that high office. And so those, those have become real powerful. And I think, um, Oh, what do you call them? Uh, when, you know, brand ambassadors, I think that's kind of getting a little bit old at this point, you know, cause we know that people are paid to do this kind of thing. So I'm not sure how long that's going to last either. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it, there's, there's a way to do it that works, yeah. but I think, it's, it's definitely some subtle psychology that you need to be good at to, to make it work right. <laughs> so let's turn this a little bit on you because you're, um, you still work out of your home, correct? I do, yeah. So everything in your schedule and everything that you do is 100% perfect and organized every single minute, correct? Of course, all the time. <laughs> yeah. So what do you do? Um, and I know you provide these suggestions for people that are either solopreneurs or entrepreneurs or people that run you know businesses. How do you keep yourself... And, and it, honestly, and I use this podcast selfishly for myself uh, to, to learn how to get better. But, um, you know, my biggest problem, you know, we have a staff of 12, several clients, and, and it seems like every day, you know, focus is a real problem. 
how do you get somebody to really mm -hmm. who who previously in their careers knew exactly what they were supposed to do they were told they have to do x job and this is when they have to work and this is when they get lunch and when they go home and then they uh -huh. switch <laughs> mm -hmm. how do yeah. you help them still feel like they're working and getting things done in their schedule is that a piece of it oh of course it's always a piece and especially and i and i'm I get the sense that you, you guys all work in the same office. You work physically together yeah. or not really. Yep, we do. Yeah. So I, I think it's even more of a challenge managing a remote team um, because you don't have that constant, like you can't see each other. So sure. you don't even know who's working and when they're working. And actually everyone on my team right now is working. They have their, they have their own businesses. They're contractors still. And so they're not just juggling me as a client, they have other clients and they have families. And so it's, it's a lot of, it's, it's definitely taking quite a bit of work and quite a bit of systemization, I will say, um, to have clear expectations. Because I think even though we're, regardless of whether it's an employee situation or a contractor situation, if there aren't clear expectations, that's where things break down. And if you don't know, I mean, if you're empowering your people to to go after certain KPIs, then there needs to be a regular follow-up system yeah. for, you know, you know, every single week you're going to report on these KPIs and somebody's going to ask you. And I think that's the thing that a lot of entrepreneurs don't realize is if there isn't a system for follow-up, if you're not measuring progress, then it's not going to, it's not going to improve. And even if it's just, you know, so-and-so needs to create X amount of pieces of content per week, some, they need to know that somebody's going to care if that happens or if it doesn't happen. Yeah, right. So, Brittany, what do you, you know, we're changing, you've already said marketing is evolving, you know, and I, I still think that, you know, we, you know, videos is something that is not new, but I think the way that we're using it today is, I mean, look at Twitter. I think it's only been a couple of years that we've been able to actually upload video to Twitter, which seems crazy, but that's true. What, what do you think your company or nerdy or any of those things, what do you think you all are going to be doing? in five years, maybe in 10 years, how do you see, and what do you picture your company looking like in, in 10 years? Say, um, actually we're, we're in the, a big transition period right now. That is incredibly exciting. My vision has all, you know, it's interesting because I, before I started this business, I was in entertainment. Um, I was a playwright, composer, performer, and being on stage has always been my biggest dream. And what I, we had our first live event this past spring and it was so, so exciting. It was wow. so successful. Cool. We had plenty of people there. We made buckets of money. It was just incredibly, um, I don't think anybody really expected it to be as impactful as it was, um, except for me, because <laughs> I always do. <laughs> but my vision has always been to have this be first and foremost, an event business. Um, I want to, and I, I have a passion for entrepreneurship. I love being a strategist. I love helping people figure out how to have more success. But the personal development side is, if if anything, that's where my heart is. Yeah. And so I see us doing just massive events, having books come out somewhat regularly. Um, we are in the process of building an online social organization to help people grow as human beings. That's cool. called Nerds for Life. That's just now launching, and it's been incredibly well received um so that's that's definitely the the vision in the next five years you know i like that too and i love that you know we don't think a lot of the books that i read and a lot of the books that i have some of our leaders read here is not about marketing it's it's about being a better person and treating yourself a lot better and because mm -hmm. we always are a constant exactly. I'm, every single day i gotta work on myself but um and mm -hmm. never seems to work but um 
<laughs> oh, of, so you need to join Nerds for Life. Uh, yes. Why? Because yeah, they get the mental understanding, but it's the repetition. It's the practice. Yeah. It's like training muscle. You have to train your brain and you need reinforcement. You need somebody else to be like, hey, yes, that's right. Good job. Keep at it. You know, because most of us do this work in a vacuum sure. or like with a therapist, which, you know, creates all sorts of like weird emotional juju. So that's what <laughs> Nurse for Life is, is like a bunch of people sitting on a video call, working through their, you know, internal belief system, becoming more confident, encouraging each other, holding each other accountable for not so much business stuff, but just who are you going to be in your right. life? And it's funny because so, I really think exciting. people of the mindset who, who could be really good entrepreneurs are probably the worst people that should have run a business. <laughs> But that's yeah, no, that's, that's true. It's true. There's so much work we need to do oh, to God, yeah. become who we need to be to get what we want. It's just—it's a big deal. How do you think? And this is it's interesting to me because I love to look at people's backgrounds and passions. How do you think your love of theater and 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 love of being on the stage? And I was a—I used to be a teacher before I started this company seven years ago, and so I worked. A lot of my best students were theater students and band students and those creative people. What? How do you think that? has really helped you or played in what, what pieces of that theater and love of theater have you used in, in being an entrepreneur? Well, it's, I use, I use it like crazy. It's so much more than I would have thought because I think first and foremost, as a marketer, you're a writer sure. and actually the, my degree is in writing. And so as a playwright and performer, I've, I've always kind of understood the principles of storytelling and with marketing, yep. you're evoking emotion. I mean, that's your main job is to make people feel the things that make them want to buy the things. And so now, and that's a lot, that's a big part of what I teach in my client work with personality marketing is that you need to think of yourself, not so much like a salesperson, but like a media company. You're, what you're creating is entertainment and social media is the new TV, you know? And so you need to find that balance. And that's what my book is all about. Personality marketing book is all about finding that balance between creating content that entertains and content that converts mm -hmm. because if you don't if you don't entertain you're not going to get the attention long enough to convert but if you just entertain then you're not going to make any money so you have to yeah. kind of <laughs> juggle between the two yeah this girl's hilarious but i've not learned a thing <laughs> i know it's like what do you even know? <laughs> yeah yeah all right, let's talk about mistakes. Um, you know, we were talking a little bit off air how I really um, think that it would be super valuable to read a book that was called What Not to Do or what, How Not to Run a Business. And so what were some mistakes either early on or yesterday <laughs> that you made that you, you were like, hey, you know what, don't do this? Um, well, I think that, and this is, this is probably going to be particularly poignant for any ladies who you have in your audience, but I know men do sometimes make this mistake as well. I, when you, when you hire early people, most people hire contractors, right? Yep. And most people want to hire their friends. And in, and in some cases, the line between a uh, friend and, and I want to say employee, but that's not really even the case, but that line can get blurred and it can get very confusing. And for a leader, and particularly, I think this happens for women, when you get too close to your team on a personal level, it makes it difficult to make the decisions that are the best for your organization mm. because it's too personal. Yeah. Because you're looking at these people and they're saying things to you like, I need to make X amount of money because I have X amount of responsibilities and such and such and such. Yeah. And, and you have a hard time saying no because you care about them so much. And as a leader, I've had to, 
I'm always trying to retrain myself to understand that this is a business first. You know, we're not we're not playing around and I have to do what's best for the organization, even if it requires having a hard conversation and saying no to people. And sometimes, you know, sometimes saying this is what we're going to do. You may not agree, but this is what we're going to do. And I think it's it's always a bit confusing. Um so I don't know if I don't know if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, that. it totally does. You know, we've seen it on both sides, hiring friends and then also doing work for friends companies and neither one of them have worked very well. And mm-hmm. then now I think one of the, the most difficult thing, I think, besides cash flow and sales, I think that's always something that's in the back of uh, business owners minds. But it, it is having those hard conversations and decisions that you ultimately know are best for the business. And we just had a conversation with my leadership team here and. And, you know, I ultimately have to have those, those difficult conversations with people and it's the hardest thing. And so, yeah. um, And I think actually one thing that's been really helpful for me in this situation, because, and particularly, I think this is going to be relevant for, for those of you who have remote teams and you're, uh, you, you kind of are still in solopreneur mode, but you have people who assist you. The temptation is because you don't really have anybody else to talk about your business with the temptation is to just tell them everything. To just yeah. whatever is going through your head about what's what you're worried about or what challenges you're up against, everybody hears everything. Sure. And what I've had to what I've had to do is I've been blessed to be able to um, bring my husband home from his his job, so he's now kind of full time dad. Um, so he's around, which is fantastic for me because now I can kind of filter all my thoughts and all my ideas through him yeah. before I take them to my team. And it's so helpful whether you have a spouse or, or a friend or a coach or a somebody to talk through things with before you talk to your team because they can help you see the things that you can't, that you can't see and manage the expectations of everybody, manage that conversation so that as an entrepreneur, and I'm sure you can relate to this, sometimes you have a million ideas and some of them are, you know, not really going to be relevant for another five months, but you kind of want to tell everybody everything and then everybody gets confused and overwhelmed. So you need to be really careful about how you drip out the information and the ideas that are going on in your head. (laughs) I'm going to make my staff listen to that. You just described us perfectly. So <laughs> great. What's he thinking about doing now? So, well, yeah. So you've got all these brilliant ideas and they sure. hear from you and they're like, holy crap, sure. Like, how am I supposed to manage this? Because he wants this yesterday. And you're yeah. thinking, oh, this is just for later. But they don't hear that. Yeah. What about this? And I thought we were doing yeah. this. No, not today. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. It's very confusing for them. It's very confusing. So how do you tell me what you want? Yeah, I know. And then that's typically what they say. Well, they want he wants all of it done, but that's not realistic. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that is good to have a sounding board and a spouse is wonderful. I'm able to do that with my wife too, and then I found a couple business owners that that have been in business quite a bit longer and I'm able to call them and just, you know, it, even if it's just like, "Oh my gosh, I'm worried about this," and they just sit there and listen, or I'm like, "Hey, what do you think about this?" and they give me a black and white cuz they're not here. They give me a black and white decision and you know, I can choose to go with that or not, but finding a mentor and somebody you can just vent to is huge. Hi everybody, Brian here real quick. This episode of The Business Machine is sponsored by the one and only Michigan Creative. That's right. Michigan Creative sponsors this Business Machine podcast for now. So if you have other sponsors that would be willing to sponsor our little Business Machine podcast, it's a great resource for business owners across the globe. And this one is sponsored by us here at Michigan Creative. Michigan Creative is a full service marketing and design firm in Lansing, Michigan. We provide mobile friendly websites 
digital marketing, video production, branding, graphic design, and much, much more. So we'd love to work with you uh, wherever you are. And we really just want to talk to you. So if you want to just talk to us here at Michigan Creative, you can call me. My cell phone is 517-899-4533 or just visit michigancreative.com. All right, back to the show. What do you think, you know, how do you, and I I really want to see if this is part of your training too. And and we've heard the phrase work-life balance, which as entrepreneurs, we don't really understand that because, you know, the door in the regular world, you can close the door at five o'clock and you don't have to answer phone calls. That line's getting blurred in, in corporate America today too, but for for us and and especially for owners i think we we could always be working and i used to think and i still have this from time to time that if i'm not working um i'm losing money however i was able to really see through it that i could then always work um and so i have to do specific things like leave my phone in the kitchen and and you know have a time when i'm not working at home um and definitely we have an office so that helps but how do you balance that time and are you can you be there with your family and how are you able to, when you have multiple clients that can access you at any, any given time, how are you able to cut that off and just be you? Well, I mean, I think the nice thing is there is a very concrete separation. Even if you work from home, if you're not in front of a computer and if you're not with your phone, then you quite literally can't work. <laughs> yeah, good. Um, so, I mean, I think that's the first step is figuring out when you're going to be away from your computer, when you're going to be away from your phone and making it so you don't actually have to implement work, willpower, like what you kind of, I always say, you, you wanna kind of remove willpower from the equation as much as you possibly can, so you don't have to make that decision because it's just gone. Yeah. So I think that is helpful. I had to do that, yeah. Yeah, but I think it's also, I think it's also okay to give yourself permission to be thinking about it all the time, because you just will, you know? <laughs> as the business owner, yeah. you, I think we we give ourselves a lot of grief and a lot of guilt about saying like, well, I shouldn't be thinking about this right now because I should just be thinking about my family and I should just be thinking about my kids. And then you like try to stick your brain in that mode and it's like, I don't have anything to think about on this subject right now <laughs> no, because they're just fine. Oh, it's and, and what I've come to discover is that your kids, I mean, at least my kids, they're interested. You know, if you oh, can yeah. figure out a way to explain what you're doing in a way that makes sense to them, they want to feel like they're, they're a part of it and they want to feel like their opinion matters. And so I've, I've always been pretty transparent with my family and included them in the conversation about like, this is what I'm dealing with right now. Like, do you have any thoughts for me? And sometimes like even my, my 10 year old has the most insightful ideas. Sure, for That's do. when they're most creative. I mean, we talk about that all the time, how we're so creative at that age and then we lose it as we get yeah. older. And yeah, I tell yeah, my kids so I'm a spy in the CIA, so they don't know what I do, <laughs> which is just cool. Well, so maybe you need to like frame your stuff in terms of like spy language, which oh, might yeah, actually be yeah. helpful. Yeah, it is. It's very helpful. <laughs> so tell me, <laughs> you know, we in a perfect company, you would have everybody that's on on board that that was as passionate and driven as the business owner or the CEO. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, everything that they thought about night and day or how to make that company more successful. But it ultimately comes down to no one's going to worry as much. No one's going to be as passionate as much as, as you are. How do you know and, and what do you have to do to get those right people? I mean, how do you get, you know, without telling them all your worries and fears like we talked about earlier, how do we get those people on the bus and how do we get them to be as passionate and, and to, to let them know that, hey, if we do it this way and if we all work together and for a greater purpose and blah, 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 blah. How do we get them to be 
close to as passionate as us? Well, you know, it's interesting. I was just having this conversation with my husband this morning about how I think because you as the entrepreneur are so passionate and you're so connected to the mission, you you assume that everybody else, if they're not as connected to it as you are, then you're doing something wrong. Right. But what I've come to realize recently is that at the end of the day, your team, they might be invested in the vision, but nobody's ever going to be as invested as you are. And that's okay. Okay. Um, so <laughs> I think, I think that's helpful because if you have that expectation that everybody's supposed to be as jazzed as you are, you're always going to be disappointed <laughs> Yeah, right. Um, because at the end of the day, they want their paycheck. You know what I mean? It's like, where's my money? Yeah. Um, and hopefully of course it means more to them than, than that. Um, and I think to that end, the more you can get clear. And I think from a marketing and sales standpoint, it's, it's incredibly important that you get very clear about why this company exists. What, what is the purpose and how are we going to help and where is this all going? Um, it's so important that that's very clearly articulated in a variety of places. Like for instance, we have like a mission and vision document in my company that I'm kind of consistently updating, um, if things change and we have a task on Asana, we manage our tasks on Asana and there's a task for everybody every single week to to go back and revisit that. Oh, that's a good idea. So that they're constantly being reminded of why we do what we do. Mm -hmm. So I think that is helpful. But I think secondarily, it's really important for you. Like you said, you, you work on yourself every day. Um, it's important for the entrepreneur to consistently be connecting and reconnecting with that bigger sense of mission. Because I do think that your, your team is going to pick up on whatever it is that you're feeling. And if what you're feeling is, holy crap, where's the money? That's what they're going to feel. If what you're feeling is, we're going to change the world, that's what they're going to feel. Yeah. So it all starts with the example that you're setting. Yeah, and I find that so true that I can see it because our office, I'm looking at it right now, and I can see just about everybody in it because we have an open office. But you know, I can tell because when I'm stressed, I can tell that they are too. But when I'm ready to go and I'm like, yes, things are working. And remember, our, you know, we have our manifesto that would, that that's our mission statement. And remember this and this is working. And they can kind of see it and they believe it. Um, so it can't yeah. happen all the time. But you're right. I mean, so goes, you know, how the company goes is how the CEO goes. So, yeah. And I think, too, that there there isn't enough celebration yeah. built in way with your business. And we have I I put a great deal of effort into making sure that all of our wins are celebrated by the whole company. Like That's we have really good point. Um, every single time we sell a thing or get a new email subscriber or anything we can celebrate. I have, I don't know if you guys use Slack. Uh, mm -hmm. You probably don't need it as yep. much, but um, we use Slack for all our communications. And so we have a channel for celebrations and cool. I have like these custom zaps um, from Zapier going into that channel saying like, all we do is win with like emojis and stuff like that. Um, so we kind of make a, a big to do when things are going well because I think we need that constant feedback and that constant reinforcement of like yes we are on the right track people do like us we are successful <laughs> yeah. isn't that important that Everything people like you us. I know right Yes. Yeah. Yes. We, we are we, doing things care about. <laughs> I'm good enough. Yeah. Yeah. The um, we do. We actually use Basecamp. We use Slack for a little while, and we use Basecamp just because, even though we're all in the same office, it's a really great way for us to organize. And I usually recommend Slack or Asana or Basecamp. Um, it cut down on our internal emails. Um, so, so much. I mean, yeah. it, it was a lifesaver for us. Funny story for celebrations. We got this bell. It's right outside my office right now. It's this old school dinner oh, bell. Cool. And oh, that's <laughs> so when we'd get a new client, we would ring it. And then it just happened that the week or two afterwards that we were getting clients and, and it was just happening and happened and we'd ring the bell. And I came in one time and Jen, my creative director, she saw me going towards it and she's like, 
don't you ring that bell because <laughs> we were so busy that yeah. she didn't want any more clients and so it kind of turned into to that but it's something that we do that was really fun that sounds silly but it's just those little wins that are important yeah, for sure. Give me a quote. I'm a former cheesy teacher, so I used to pass out quotes. I still do it today. What is a favorite quote of yours? Mm, Emerson, nothing great was ever achieved without enthusiasm. Mm, I like it. I love it. Yeah, we sometimes forget to be excited about what we do. And the little wins, I like that a lot. I, I, I think that's something that we need to incorporate here. What about a book that I'm going to read more than the first 15 pages and not get stressed out? I'll tell you, my favorite book of all time is it applies to business, it applies to everybody everywhere. It's called Working with the Law by Raymond Hollowell. Hmm. It's all about kind of the immutable laws of science, the laws of nature, the laws of the universe, and how really? to basically engineer success in any area using, you know, foundational stuff like the law of the harvest, the law of um, uh, polarity. Like there's just all these yeah. scientific laws that ex explain how to engineer success. It's really, really cool. That's fast. What did I just... Uh, thinking big. I just started reading Thinking Big, and that was it's an older book, and it, it doesn't really talk about that as much, but it's also about just that thought process of thinking good things will help you too. So, yeah. Now, what I like about working with the law is that it it goes a lot deeper than a lot of personal development books do, mm -hmm. and it really kind of explains how like it's almost like <laughs> it's not it's not a super fluffy read. It's it's more like a textbook for how to think. Cool. I'll check that out. All right, if you could have dinner or meet any business owner and have dinner with him or her, who would it be and why? Mine's super cheesy, but it's absolutely true. It would have to be Tony Robbins. Yeah. You know what I love? And a lot of people have said that. And you know what I love most about Tony Robbins is his his, leg I don't know, his legacy, but the length that he's been. I used to have, or a friend of mine gave me Tony Robbins cassettes. Do you remember? I don't know how old you are, but they used yeah. to be on, if you remember what cassettes are. But they used to be on a cassette, <laughs> <laughs> and that was a big deal. And there were just tapes among tapes. I mean, I just think of the the process. Just now thinking about doing that as a process, like we used to burn DVDs by the hundreds and VHS tapes. Um, mm -hmm. And now it's just you know it's easy. And he's still going, and and it's still kind of the same thing. I mean, not that it's old or outdated, but it's still the same thing. And so somebody that's been in business and and done such a great job helping people become better. I think would be a great example. Yeah, absolutely. And, and really like, you know, Tony Robbins always says you got to model the people, you know, like find somebody who's done what you want to do and find out what they did. And yeah. he's, he's the guy who's done what I want to do. So I got to talk to him. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Give me, give me some uh, technology or some software or an app that you couldn't live without. Oh, do I have to pick just one? <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. Uh, probably Asana. Asana yeah. and Slack are like in a dead heat. They they run my life. Again, Google Calendar. Oh, there's so many. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. As silly as Google Calendar or Google Docs sounds, uh, for us, I mean, it's what in this last couple of years we've been doing it now. But we really live by that calendar, both personally and professionally. And so I Absolutely. have my staff use that. So when somebody has to go to a game for their kid or somebody has to go home early, they put it on there. And then there's no question. We just know where everybody okay. is at any given time. So I love yeah, Google Calendar. It sounds easy, but it's, it's a must. All right. Yeah, so absolutely. last couple things. Sorry. I wish I had a more niche cool answer. No, no, I know. I was expecting more, but that's okay. But, um, <laughs> sorry, sorry. I'm kidding. Just <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah. So, uh, if somebody's listening out there and they're solopreneur, they're still working and they're thinking or in their business owner, who, who do you want to talk to and, and how should they best talk to you? How do they get involved? 
you know, my best place to go is my Facebook group. My Facebook group is the best. Um, it's called the Nerd Space, um, and it's easily easily Googleable. Um, but if somebody is in that stage where they're either stuck at a certain level of success and they can't seem to bust out of it, or they know they were meant for something bigger, but they have no idea what that might look like or how to figure out the difference between all their many beautiful ideas and which one's going to make that money the, the fastest. Right. I'm, I'm the one who can help them figure that out. Very cool. So again, uh, the website is nerdygirl.co.co or just Google search nerdy girl. And before I get to the last question, is there anything that I missed or anything else you wanted to tell our listeners? I love you. <laughs> <laughs> No, that, we're good. That's good. That's perfect. So, Brittany, last question, and this is a toughie. What do you think or what do you hope that your legacy will be? I hope that people will learn how to mash their inner potatoes <laughs> and that mashing potatoes will become common practice in house, households across the world. <laughs> I love it. Well, Mashing Potatoes, Brittany Bullion from nerdygirl.co. Thank you for helping us mash some potatoes today. I love that. I get that. I think it's awesome. And, and there are ideas that are out there, and there's some that you can really get. And it can be done, right, Brittany? Absolutely, it can be done. Thanks so much for being on the podcast today. I appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me. And that was Brittany Bullion from nerdygirl.co. Check her out. It'll be in the show notes. And her book is out, and she's got another one coming out too, so check that out. She's a great writer, great content. At the very least, check out the Facebook group and the website. There's some free resources on there. I would definitely do that. And again, I'm Brian Town, the CEO of Michigan Creative and host of The Business Machine. Remember, a great leader makes everyone around him or her better than they are. Thanks, guys. We'll see you on the next one.